Aloha, my name is Cameron Maciel, and I'm with Chuck Maciel, and we are jumping into Big Island TV episode three. Um, this episode is going to be basically talking about the learning of the banking language, and basically what we did today. We're doing a we've we haven't done an episode in almost three weeks now, so um, we know that during this time of the year we kind of get into. Time constraints. Yeah, yeah, because we're kind of getting pressed because of the holidays, wanting to go back to the mainland uh, to spend time with family. Like most people want to spend time with family during the holidays. We just completed a house in one area that a local family was able to buy into, which was very, very exciting that they watched the construction of the house from day one. They've seen everything that went into the house, so they know every bit and piece of We can't tell them nothing about the house. Yeah. Because they know, I know everything. They know everything. They've yeah. been watching it from day yeah. one. And and it was kind of interesting because I remember mentioning to them, did, well, if you didn't know this, we insulated the house. They go, yeah, we know. We watched it being insulated. Yeah. So it was it was kind of an exciting deal that we didn't know we had an audience, but yet we had an audience. Yeah. Yeah. And the awesome part about it was the rewarding part about it, being a part of a first-time home buyer. Absolutely. But the, but the biggest thing was is that we didn't know there were going to be a buyer. Yeah. And the fact that they were watching us step-by-step step building this house became a very exciting situation that I guess we were doing the right things because they're excited about the house. They, they you know, critiqued the house and saw every stage of, of the building of it, which was really fun for us because it's like, wow, well, I guess we're doing the right thing because there's nothing about the house they're complaining about. Yeah. And, and so with that, you know, getting that wrapped up, we got our finals today on it, so we're, we're solid on, on moving forward. They're doing their, their loan and everything else, and escrow building along. And aside from that, finishing up another house that we're working on that you seem to be like you kind of dirty this yeah. late at night. I mean, what were you working on today? Oh, we have this large Lahala home, <laughs> and the master has tons of tile. So um, it's a lot of the detail work that you want to pay attention on and get it done right. So there's a lot of tedious work in that. So... Um, getting a lot of work done in a day is really hard, so got to work late to get the details done. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we both worked late. Yeah, I mean, I worked on the cabinetry, you know, uh, getting the cabinets installed in the kitchen, um, getting ready to, to start getting our, uh, our base on the cabinets ready for granite, um, and hopefully tomorrow we'll be able to get more of the finished work done, baseboard doors, casings, mm -hmm. Uh, the, 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 the bases on top of the cabinets to get granite going on that and then you'll continue on the master bath you know we're kind of on a, on a time crunch because we're, we're scheduled to leave in a few days to go yeah. back to the mainland so we're trying to push to get it done yeah. but at the same time you know the, the good thing about it is that you're documenting the work you're doing yeah. Yeah, so today, today I actually right when I got to the Lahala today I actually made an intro video of walking through the house and showing what works already done and showing the tile so a nice. lot of these um, audiences that we have on many different platforms between Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, uh, they, they're seeing the stages as, as we're doing them, so it's really cool. Well, that's good because then they can actually see, you know, people who are familiar with the work, you know, they can tell whether or not we're doing any shortcuts. Yeah. They can tell yeah. whether or not we're spending time on the detail. Yeah. And they can see how we're taking our time on getting the work done. Absolutely. Um, and, and, that, and that's one of the... One of the you know qualities of, of doing the, the documenting of this is that people can see the stages of, of the house being built yeah. so you know not the, even the not even 
for everyone, but even the buyer that buys a home, they have kind of like... An this, evidence. Yeah. Absolutely. Like they could watch their... Even if they weren't around when a house is being built, they have this kind of footage to like jump in and watch how their home was built. Absolutely. No, which is really good information for them because a lot of times, you know, it, it's, it's kind of like watching, you know buying a house but you don't know what's involved in the house yeah and and along the way the you've been documenting it. absolutely you've been documenting the framing the trusses now going into the finished work and stuff mm -hmm. they can actually see all the work that's involved in building the house and actually see that that it is a lot of work involved absolutely. and and there's a lot of tedious time in the details to get that finished product mm -hmm. so so yeah so great but aside from that you know today we want to talk about trying to minimize the the anxiety as well as the frustration of learning what banking is all about a lot of times that people go into the banks or they go to mortgage brokerages they don't they're not real familiar with what they're talking about mm -hmm. and, the, and and the unfortunate thing about it is is that you know it's just human nature yeah. you know human nature that people are nervous yeah they don't they don't want to look like they're uneducated or they don't know what's going on and I'm hoping that what we can do here is that we can actually take this information, which is basic information. So can you put into like into like a role play almost as if you were the bank and I was the home buyer and you're going through the process real quick and you're naming off what kind of terms? Okay, so here's the thing. You're gonna come into the bank. You've never bought a home before. So right off the bat, you're nervous. Oh, yeah. You're intimidated. You're like, oh my gosh, this is huge. This is giant, you know. What am I getting myself into? Well, you already have that anxiety already of, of buying, wanting to, wanting. Yeah. You're not buying yet, yeah. you want to buy. Yeah. And then you got this person behind the desk who, who is actually gonna start naming off a bunch of things to you that you're, you have no clue about. They're just doing it in acronyms because it's simpler for them. Mm -hmm. But you know, when they start talking about PITI, and impound accounts and escrow. They want to nod and, and you know, oh yeah, okay, I know okay. What that is. And you know, and the thing about it is, is that you know that we've talked about it before. Those people go home and they look at each other and they're like, "What Did were they understand? talking about?" Yeah. I don't know. I thought you knew. You were nodding your head, yes. Yeah. So we want to kind of like bring that stuff down and simplify it, so that when you do go into a bank or a mortgage broker and they use these terms, you know exactly what they're saying. You know exactly what they're talking about and you're familiar with it. So when you're nodding your head, I understand, you understand. And the challenge of it is, is that I don't understand why these bankers or mortgage brokers don't want to take the time to walk you through the steps of learning what you're dealing with. I think the biggest problem is because if, if, if the home buyer is already nervous and they don't want to sound uneducated, then they might get... Um, basically the feeling like I need to know what I'm talking about or what I'm listening to and if they're not answering questions then a bank or mortgage broker is not going to go into detail especially if you're not answering questions absolutely absolutely and asking that, questions and that's and that's what I'm hoping that what we can do here is we can take a lot of these terms we can take a lot of these acronyms and we can actually break them down step by step what each letter of the acronym actually means mm -hmm. so that when when a new home buyer, first time home buyer, you know, because that's the same thing too. They talk about first time home buyers. You know, what is that? Well, we want to talk about that. We mm -hmm. want to talk about what those terms mean. So what we want to do is we want to make sure that that we're educating 
the consumer so that when they walk into a bank or they walk into a mortgage broker, they have the confidence, they have the knowledge, they have the, the security to know that what that banker or broker is gonna say to them, they're gonna have the education to know what they're talking about. Yeah. So that's what we're gonna break down today is we're gonna talk about the different types of loans. Okay. And there's only a couple of different types of loans. So on a first time home buyers program, that's basically people buying a home for the first time. The funny thing about it is, it doesn't necessarily apply to someone buying a home for the first time. There's a criteria behind it. So even the statement of a first time home buyer is very misleading. When you buy a home for the first time, you're considered a first time home buyer. Yeah. But after a number of years has passed and you buy again, you can still be considered a first time home buyer. And it's the way the program's structured. Okay. Okay. So the idea of a first time home buyer program is to actually try to get people to come in and buy a home. So the traditional way in America is to buy a FHA loan. So most people are gonna say, okay, FHA loan, what, what, what is that? Mm -hmm. Well, it's the most simplest loan you can get, and it's a Federal Housing Administration loan, okay. which basically means that the government backs the loan. So the requirements for that has some rigidity, but it also has a lot of flexibility. The rigidity is on an FHA loan, you have to live there. So you're getting the loan, it's for you to live there. So it, is, it can't be an investment home. So you can't get an FHA loan with the intent of turning around and using it as an investment, meaning you're gonna rent it out. So when you get an FHA loan, you, you have to say you're going to live there. This is my house, this is my home. So because you're doing that, that now becomes more of a root base, which means this is home, this is where I'm living, this is where I'm gonna be, I'm gonna protect this. Whereas if they allowed you to do this on an investment, the investment house is secondary to your primary house. You're gonna take care of your home before you think about your secondary home. So on an, on an FHA, the standards and requirements are not as rigid as it would be for an investment home. So as a first time home buyer, it's gonna be a little easier for you to qualify for an FHA loan. And there's less money to put down on an FHA loan. So FHA, like we said, is a Federal Housing Administration loan that's backed by the government that says, okay, home buyer, you agree to live here. We agree to make the rules a little flexible for you to buy this house that you agree to live in, mm -hmm. and then you live in the house. Mm -hmm. And then that's, that's some of the requirements. So some of the things that, that are, are flexible on it is... So what are the, some of the dangers part? If, okay, let's say if someone's getting an FHO and they don't plan on living there, then what happens? What are some of the, the things that could go wrong with something like that? Well, they can call the note. Mm -hmm. Because now you basically said you were gonna live in the house and you didn't live in the house. And as a result of that, they can say, okay, well, you need to pay up the money or we're gonna foreclose on the house. Uh -huh. so, so you gotta be careful with that. You don't wanna be tiptoeing around on this, saying, well, I'm just gonna tell them I'm gonna live there, but I'm really not gonna, I'm gonna rent it out. Yeah. You can get yourself in a lot of trouble on that because that would actually teeter on fraud, mm -hmm. okay? Now, Good to know. you might be you know, in, in a situation where circumstances may force you to do something different, but your intent should always be that you're going to live there because that's what you told them you were gonna do. So, but again, 
things can change. Yeah. <clears throat> so now, aside from an FHA loan, would be a conventional loan. Mm-hmm. Now, a conventional loan is basically anybody can get a conventional loan. There are no requirements in terms of being a low income or first time buyer or anything of that nature. But on a conventional loan, traditionally, they're gonna want you to have 20% down. So you figure on a $200,000 house, they're gonna want you to put $40,000 down. That's a lot of money for most people. Not, on, not only do they want 20% down, you gotta cover your closing costs, which we're gonna get into some of those details of closing costs. Yeah. So on a conventional loan, they don't care whether you live there or you don't live there because they got 20% equity on it now. So if, if, you, if you buy a house on a, con, on, a, on a conventional loan and you put 20% down, say on a $200,000 house, you put $40,000 down, that puts a bank in a leverage position. Which means, okay, well, if you don't live here, you do live here. It doesn't matter. We have leverage on you. We got 20% equity. So if we have to foreclose, we're ahead 20%. Yeah. We're on the FHA side. They don't have any leverage on it. It's a, it's a zero to dollar loan, which means you don't put money down per se on the loan. You will put money down, which will we'll go back to the FHA loan because they'll say it, it's a no down loan. But that doesn't mean you don't have to come up with money. Okay, so this is where the confusion comes into play because the banker as well as the mortgage broker will tell you, this is a no money down FHA loan, but you gotta put 3% to cover your impound account. But you just said no money down. No money down, okay. So this is where the confusion comes into play because what happens is, is that what the banker and the mortgage broker didn't explain to you, yes, on the $200,000 mortgage, you're not putting any money down on the mortgage. But what you do is you have to put money in your impound account. Now what the impound account is, and people are gonna go, well, if there's no money down, there's no money down. Where are you coming up with this down payment? Well, it's not. Basically what they're doing is they have an impound account that covers taxes and insurance. So what they'll do is they'll figure out, okay, for this house, this $200,000 house, your taxes should be right around X and whatever that X number is and your insurance should be X, whatever that number comes out to be. And usually when you combine the two, taxes and insurance, which is TI of the PITI. Mm-hmm. So on the TI, taxes and insurance, is usually about 3% for the year. So what they do is they say, okay, we want you to bring up 3% of the sale of the house. So you figure 3% of a $200,000 house is gonna be about $6,000. Now, your question is, wait a minute, you said no money down. Mm -hmm. There is no money down. Mm -hmm. This is basically, you're gonna take your money, preparing for the- Preparing for the taxes and insurance to come. Yeah. Now, when they give you your monthly payment, you wanna make sure that you're finding out that the monthly payment which is principal and interest, you wanna make sure that principal and interest, as well as taxes and insurance, is included in that payment. Mm. And the reason why is this, that 3% that we came up with, the $6,000, is gonna go into an account, and every month, you're gonna be putting principal and interest to the loan, and the taxes and insurance, a little bit every month, 
is going to be replenishing that three or the six thousand dollars. So when taxes come due twice a year, half of it's going to come out in the middle of the year. The second half is going to come out the end of the year, and then once a year your insurance is going to come out. They want to make sure that you're replenishing that account and you're ahead of that account. Mm -hmm. So they have the money in this impound account, which is a savings account of yours, mm -hmm. that when the time comes due, the bank pays the taxes and the bank pays the insurance. Now, just so you're not being burdened with an all of a sudden, boom, you know, it's high property taxes once a year, or boom, your insurance payment once a year, you're making these little increment payments every month, mm -hmm. which is part of your payment. You're yeah. fixed. Yeah. So, bank does all the hard work for you, so you're not paying three different people for your home. The bank is managing it for you. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so the bank, and it's kind of funny because a lot of people don't don't understand that the bank is doing two things. Number one, they're doing you a favor because you don't have to think about the taxes and insurance. Number two, they're protecting themselves. Mm -hmm. Because they want to make sure the taxes are being paid, and they want to make sure that the house is insured. Yeah, because it's their money on the line. That's the their money on the line, exactly. So they want to protect their money, and that's what you're doing with your tax, with your insurance and your impound account. Mm -hmm. So when they when they tell you that it's a no money down, it really is not a no money down. You will have to put money down, but it's basically taking it from your savings account and putting it into another savings account. That you can't touch. Yeah, it's just preparing you for what's to come. For what's to come. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So 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 taking that acronym, when when they talk about, um, well, how much is the payment going to be? Well, your PITI. Mm -hmm. Now you know, principal, interest, PI, TI, taxes and insurance. So now you know that your monthly payment is X. So let's just hypothetically say that a two hundred thousand dollar house at 5% interest is gonna be $1,100 a month PITI. Mm -hmm. So out of that $1,100 a month, a portion is gonna to go to principal, a mm -hmm. portion is gonna to go to interest, a portion is gonna to go to uh, taxes, and a portion is gonna to go to insurance. Mm -hmm. So you're covered. So now you have no surprises. Now, make sure we understand something here. This is on a fixed interest rate, not an adjustable interest rate. This is on a fixed interest rate. Adjustment interest rates, we're not going to really get into right now. Stay away. Stay away. <laughs> Stay away from adjustable rates. Yeah. Unless you really understand adjustable rate mortgages, which we'll talk about later on. Yeah. We don't want to talk about that right now because that gets really confusing. Yeah. So you want to know as a first time home buyer, how much do I have to pay every month till this loan is paid off? Yeah. And as long as you know that and you know that you can afford that, you're fine. Now, some of the things that will change in your payment that could change is if property taxes go up, which sometimes they do, and it's usually in a 10-year increments, um, your, your, your tax and insurance will change. Mm -hmm. So your payment might fluctuate a few dollars. Mm -hmm. If your insurance fluctuate, because you, you stop and think that if you insure your house today in 2018, and a 30-year loan, yeah. you know, things are going to be more expensive in 10, 20, 30 years from now. Absolutely. So understandably, your insurance is going to go up. So your, your payment may adjust a little bit for that inflation. So, you know, you may be a fixed payment, 
But in 10, 15 years, your insurance may go up because things that everything else around you goes up. So they may adjust that. So keep that in mind. It isn't going to be anything drastic. You'll be forewarned on it. But the biggest thing is, as long as you're, you're, you're taking care of your home, like everybody should be doing, yeah. you should be pretty, pretty stable. You should be pretty comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. So that's basically what PITI is about on, so, on, uh, on that. The PITI, is that, that's, a, that's the same across uh, the two different types of loans that you talked about? Okay, so that's one of the key things now. FHA loans are mandatory PITI loans, mm -hmm. which means that they will collect their payment to cover principal and interest, taxes, and insurance. Now, conventional loans are a little different. Conventional loans don't always necessarily have an impound account. Mm -hmm. They may leave that to you to be responsible to pay your taxes and insurance. Oh. So, again, on a conventional loan, they're not really that rigid on that side of it because... You already put so much money. 20% down. Yeah. yeah. You got 20% down. You obviously have enough wherewithal to come up with 20% down, we'd hope to think that you got enough where to all to pay your taxes and insurance. Yeah, yeah. Because you don't want to be losing the house because you didn't pay your taxes. So there's a, there's a, there's a lot of pros and cons to both loans. Yeah. Now, depending on the type of conventional loan you have, I'm not real familiar with what the numbers are today, but depending on where you're at on that conventional loan, the loan backer or the investor may require MIP. Now MIP, and again, we're, we're, we're talking a lot about home, first time home buyers. Yeah. So we're really getting into another area that's different. Yeah. So MIP, this is conventional loans, that's more investors, mm. that's more people that are buying vacation homes. Yeah. So when you get on the MIP, it's really kind of like getting off topic of what we're, we're trying to focus on. Okay. But we'll touch on it a little bit. Yeah. So MIP is mortgage, uh, mortgage insurance premium which basically is another form of insurance. So FHA is insured by the federal government, which means that if you don't pay your mortgage and they default on it, the federal government will back that loan. Mm -hmm. Now, on a conventional loan, they have a dollar amount that sets a cap. Mm -hmm. Once you break that cap, now you have to have MIP insurance, which is mortgage insurance premium, which means you're gonna pay insurance to insure the loan to the investor. Yeah. So it's kind of funny how they got all these insurances to protect the investor. So basically what that MIP does is that if you default, that insurance will come in and cover the loan. Oh. But remember, you put 20% down. Yeah. So you got a lot of money on your side and already invested in yeah. it. So you don't want to risk that. Yeah. So you're going to do your best to make sure that doesn't get lost. Absolutely. But that's a, that's a whole other subject we can talk about later on for people that want to learn about investing. Absolutely. So. So I mean... You you mentioned closing costs yes. while talking about the impound account, your PITI. So what what's involved in the closing costs and how does that work? Okay, so in closing is that, costs... Is that, is that a part of the impound account as well or... No. What the closing cost has is is there's two parts to the, the closing cost. The closing cost is actually the cost for escrow. And that is when you buy a piece of property... You want to make sure when you get that property, there's no liens against it. You don't have no mechanic liens. You don't have judgments against it because 
the person you're buying it from, you don't know them. Yeah. So you don't know what they had going on in their life yeah. with this piece of real estate. Yeah. So, you know, they can have anything from, you know, they refer to mechanic liens. Mm -hmm. Mechanic liens can vary between somebody who sued you for services. Yeah. Whether, and, and, and it's funny because the whole idea of mechanics, you think mechanically someone worked on your car. Well, yeah, it, it kind of be that simplistic. Yeah. That somebody worked on your car and they go, you know what, I'll put a lien on your property. Mm -hmm. And all it is is a cloud on the property. So, so do you even, like, can we like break it up into a scenario like with the Gardenia properties? Like since I, I owe money on three lots. Right. And let's say I build, we, we both build on one lot and we go to sell that lot. But our contract with those three properties say that at the sell of the first property, we have to pay off the loan for all three. Right. So would the closing costs and the escrow part be a part of protecting the seller of the properties? Well, I, I, what happens is what happens on that scenario that you're talking about yeah. right there. Just to put it into a escrow, a escrow will basically follow the rules that have been established to a property. Okay. So you're taking a very unique situation yeah, here. Yeah. So, and, 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 and in your scenario that you're talking about is that the rules of the contract says that if you build one of the properties, all loan, the, the full loan is paid in full. If you sell the first property. If you sell one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So now, one of the things that you didn't see in the contract though, doesn't necessarily apply to only selling it. Mm. It could apply to refinancing it. Mm -hmm. Because now you're taking that one individual property and segregating it from the other two. Yeah. So as a result of that, that triggers paying off the rest of them. Yeah. So what this does though with escrow, the whole purpose of escrow is that when you buy a piece of property, you only owe to the bank what you agree to pay for it. Mm -hmm. And escrow is there to make sure that there isn't somebody else owed on it. It's making sure everyone's getting paid in the process. Absolutely. But more so than that is making sure, so let's give the scenario. Yeah. So you decide to buy a piece of property and the person you're buying it from, you're taking the word for it, there is no debt on the property. And you say, okay, I'll buy the property. You buy the property without getting an escrow. Now, keep in mind, you have escrow and then you have title insurance. Okay. Escrow is just a process where two people come together. They get a third party, which is escrow, to basically keep everybody on the same page. Mm -hmm. Now, escrow is a third party to make sure A and B do what they agree to do. Okay. That's what escrow does. Now, escrow also does title insurance. So when A is selling a piece of property to buyer B, buyer B wants to make sure that they're getting a piece of property and they're paying X, $25,000 for the property, they want to make sure that that's all they're paying is $25,000 for the property. So with escrow and getting title insurance, title will go and do research on the property to make sure there's no liens on it, mm -hmm. no mechanic liens, no judgments. 
it's a clean title. Yeah. So that when buyer B gets a property, they pay the $25,000, that's it. Nobody else is going to come back and say, hey, wait a minute. You know, A owed me some money on this property. I want to be paid. Sorry. I got a clean title from escrow from the title insurance says that everybody was paid. So there's nothing owed to you. Sorry. Yeah. That protects the buyer. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's very, very important that you have title insurance on a piece of property. Because even, even when we talk about new construction. Yeah. Hey guys, um, you might see a little change here in the environment. Um, I'm kind of just jumping in here. I'm going to add episode three at this point. Um, we are trying something new. We did a bunch of different camera angles in this episode with a camera on my father, a camera on me, and then the main front camera. Um, doing all of this editing, um, we're starting to realize that we recorded a very long episode that night. And I wanted to basically break this up so people have time to watch all the content of episode three. So I'm jumping in here now instead of just ending it off and just letting you know that I'm making episode three into two parts. Uh, tomorrow I'll upload part two and then um, hopefully by Thursday night I'll have episode four uploaded, which we, um, we had dinner with a buyer of one of our homes about two years ago and we basically get his ideas on moving to Hawaii and the expense of Hawaii. Um, that dinner is, as well will be broken up into two actually different episodes because the topics are different. So um, like I said, I'm just jumping in here to give an explanation on why I'm editing this episode this way and I'll have part two uploaded tomorrow just so we have um, 30 minutes episode three part one and 30 minutes episode part two episode three part two so um just so you guys know thanks again for watching big island tv i'm cameron Maciel. thanks for watching episode three